Before we start this episode, we have a request. We want to hear from you. We're working on an upcoming episode about people who do some of the hardest work in the food world. You know, the line cooks, servers, bartenders, bussers, delivery folks. What have the past few months been like for you? Have you been able to keep your job? How's your workplace changed or maybe not? What do you want the rest of us to know as we begin venturing out to eat inside restaurants again? Or maybe you're a customer who wants to share your experience with us. That's great, too. You can remain anonymous if you'd like. We just want to hear from a variety of people here. So here's how you do it. You can send a typed email with your story or a recording of your voice message to podcasts at ksdk.com. Or you can call and leave us a message at 314-254-2667. Again, that number is 314-254-2667. We'll be taking these messages through June 2nd, so don't forget to call in. Okay, now here's this week's show. Rain is romantic. It's refreshing. It's the excuse you need to stay indoors curled up with a good book. It's the whispering lullaby that helps you fall asleep even during such a restless time. Well, of course, even now, rain is known to ruin a good parade, and a river-wrapped region like ours knows you can have far too much of it. But without rain, life would eventually, literally, dry up. For centuries, we've relied on rain to quench the thirsty fields that feed us, watching the skies for signs Mother Nature could provide a healthy harvest. While most of us don't grow our own food anymore, or at least don't rely on it, farmers, with their cattle and chickens and pigs and goats and carrots and corn and soybeans and rice, they still have an eye on the sky. They still wait for the rain. But the morning I called up Autumn Sigh, the rain was helpful for entirely different reasons. Well, this morning, uh, we already milked the goats um, to care of the chickens and fed the pigs. And today we have like a really rainy day. And we also have the farmer's market in the afternoon. So this is the time of day um, that we're usually getting ready for the farmer's market. So it's really perfect timing today just it being rainy and a farmer's market day. So I have plenty of time to like sit down and do my inside work and and then also um, talk to you. Inside work is hard work, and during a season of a pandemic, essential work for those who typically earn their keep in fields and barnyards, like at Autumn's Such and Such Farms in Jefferson County. We're updating the online store almost daily and taking online orders and, you know, doing more accounts and things like that. So uh, it's just, it's really gotten busier for farmers, actually. On this episode of Abby Eats St. Louis, we'll show you how two local farms are weathering this very different kind of storm. Because sometimes when it rains, it pours. So, I mean, we're here for the long haul. Um, and we're, we're kind of built for this. It's just, it's just something else. Why they're relying on you to still eat your veggies. I think we're going to be more grateful for things that we took advantage of. How shortages and supply chain issues are posing new challenges, but why you won't see them dumping trucks full of milk on the side of the road. And I can see and understand why they're doing it, and that's really sad. And the hot commodity you could find on the country store shelves that you probably don't want to eat. In the Midwest, we are blessed and cursed with seasons. Icy, snow-capped winter months give way to bright and breezy springtime. 
the thick and humid summer, my favorite, eventually fades into a crisp and too short fall. No matter the time of the year, though, it seems like Eckert's is in season. Their Belleville location is a destination for both the family looking for fun and the outdoorsy-ish Instagrammer. The country's largest family-owned you pick farm wants you to put your hands on fresh peaches, strawberries, pumpkins, apples. Well, usually. This season, though, is one of uncertainty. Just figuring out what products people want. Like, I've never sold toilet paper, so that was just like a crazy addition to my store. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there's just odd things that we've just tried to be really nimble and make adjustments based on customer demands there. Um, and then just like everybody else, we put up plexiglass and um, people are wearing masks and there's, you know, decals on the floor, stuff like that. Uh, and then, um, like I mentioned, a lot of the event changes that, you know, we're just trying to figure out what makes the most sense. Angie Eckert handles retail operations for the Illinois farm, along with the fields and orchards where you can pick your own produce. You can also wander through the rows of their expansive country store. Their produce is packed up for sale there, too, as well as baked goods, juices and ciders and wines, local meats, cheeses and sausages, and those cute little country kitsch gifts that probably remind you of a loved one's house. Handling inventory when more people are turning to Instacart to do their shopping, though, Angie says has provided some unique challenges. We feel so lucky to be open and like for our team that comes to work every day. I mean, I can't I get a little choked up just thinking about that. I mean, it is incredible. I mean, we we yes, this has been devastating. It's been hard. It, we have a lot of questions about what does the fall at Eckert's look like? I mean, it's very scary, just like everyone's dealing with with these unknowns. Um, but today I'm open. Today I have products. Um, today we we have a team of people who are healthy and operating. And I, I just try to take it one day at a time because it, it, it is weird. And if you look too far ahead, it gets a little too overwhelming. Temporarily closing the restaurant meant they could move some staff to work in curbside service, bringing fresh foods to your car door. They've moved some of the crops that customers would pick themselves to local grocery stores, thanks to some pre-existing relationships they had there. They're making it work. And starting the last weekend of May, their fields will be full again of people, they hope, getting out and picking fresh strawberries. Though you'll need to grab tickets and a time slot online ahead of time and crowds will be limited to promote social distancing, the Eckerts family says they hope it will leave room for the memories that come with this yearly tradition. When I talked to Angie a few weeks ago, the pick-your-own-strawberry season opener was still uncertain and unclear, and a lot of things still are. They have a lot more seeds in the ground, and a lot can change before they're ready to be harvested, too. You know that whole thing about don't count your chickens before they hatch? But it's clear this season, they're also cultivating a lot of gratitude. We feel so lucky to be open and like for our team that comes to work every day. I mean, I can't, I get a little choked up just thinking about that. I mean, it is incredible. I mean, we, we yes, this has been devastating. It's been hard. It, we have a lot of questions about what does the fall at Eckert's look like? I mean, it's very scary, just like everyone's dealing with, with these unknowns. Um, but today I'm open. Today I have products. Um, today we, we have a team of people who are healthy and operating. And I, I just try to take it one day at a time because it, it, it is weird. And if you look too far ahead, it gets a little too overwhelming. There have always been a lot of reasons to opt for local farmers and growers. 
environmental, economic, health consciousness, for the community of it. While as much as the very phrase, now more than ever, has become a total cliche, it's kind of true in this case. I think we're going to be more grateful for things that we took advantage of. Um, just personally, you can already see that in your, your own experiences. And I do hope that that helps people appreciate where food comes from. And maybe we're responsible about, you know, the amounts we buy and how we eat it and making sure it's in our diet. Um, and obviously that's at, you know, no pun intended, the core of Eckert's because we are all about growing fruits and vegetables. So um, of the trends that I'm seeing, that that's one that just makes me feel really good about what we do and people have to eat. And I think they want to know their food is safe and I, and I think people will support local. We have an incredible community in St. Louis of people who are committed to seeing this community thrive. Um, we see that from our customers that come in and the repeat customers and I'm grateful that they trust us uh, in this environment. So I think all of that gives me a lot of hope for the future. Eckert's has been around for a while. It's run by the sixth and seventh generations of the original Eckert's family. It's hard to name a storm they haven't weathered at this point. Back over on the Missouri side of the river, Autumn Sai and her husband Dave are hunkered down on their little homestead, such and such farms, about 90 acres in DeSoto. And they sure do make the most of that land, growing colorful produce of all shapes and sizes, raising chickens, goats, and pigs. They even make goat milk soap because why the heck not? If that sounds like a lot, it is. Now realize neither Dave nor Autumn set out for this life. He's a welder with training in industrial design and worked to build the city museum. She's studied art, theater, and nonprofit work. It's fair to say they've really established some roots in this field, though, because now they are best known for growing produce and supplying fresh meat for some of the top chefs and restaurants around the area, all based on on-the-job training. Ever since the pandemic hit close to Homestead, it was clear another lesson was beginning. Uh, let's see, summer. Okay, so back in March is when everything started, and the first hint that things started to get weird is that the farmer's market uh, the winter farmer's market got canceled. Both the Schlafly indoor winter market and then Tower Grove indoor winter market got canceled. And so I looked at my husband, Dave, and we're like, okay, well, it'll be okay. Like, we still have restaurants, you know, we still have that coming up. And then the next week, all the restaurants got shut down. And so we're like, okay, well, at least we have our online store, I guess. So we really ramped things up on our online store. And as I'm sure a lot of, you know, you've heard from other businesses too, we were taking measures of um, changing our business plan around that would have re like regularly taken months for us to do. And we were doing it overnight. And sometimes we were doing it every 24 hours. Um, and so we were basically reinventing our business every 24 hours while still, you know, taking care of all the plants in the greenhouse, taking care of our animals. Our goats were giving birth at this time. We had baby pigs being born. It was really hectic. And then in the past couple of weeks, we've had to deal with the meat processing issue that's going on now. So um, because of a lot of the larger production facilities got shut down, now all of those farmers are going to smaller processing facilities like we go to and they were kind of hoarding processing dates like toilet paper and we didn't yeah and so that's why if you ask a lot of farmers who do meat 
but like, they can't get appointments until maybe December, January. And, you know, they're going to, you know, pigs and cows just keep getting bigger, but there's no place to take them into. So that is the new problem we've had to deal with in the past two weeks. So it's kind of a trickle down, even though you're not normally going to those big processing plants because the big boys are not able to go there either. They're kind of snatching up all the places where smaller farms would normally go. Oh, yeah. And they're taking in like 14, 15 pigs at a time at least. And for places like us that maybe bring in like one or two at a time or maybe four a month, you know, it hit us really hard. And now all of a sudden consumers are asking us for half hogs and whole hogs, you know, people that um, have never done that before are asking us about that. So now we have to explain this whole process and this whole problem to, to consumers too. So it's just been one thing after another, after another, after another. You've probably seen the headlines, seen the signs posted limiting customers to one pack of ground beef per shopping trip. With all of us still in many ways stuck at home, or at least keeping our distance, where our food comes from, that supply chain, has felt especially delicate. One of the pandemic's tragic side effects? Hunger. As schools closed and free lunch programs had to pivot, as jobs were and continue to be slashed, it's made it harder and harder for a lot of people to get food on the table. And even during this, Rivers of cow's milk spill out of trucks as dairy farmers run out of places to bring it for storage or processing. Fields full of vegetables that will never be fried up and served as an appetizer at a restaurant are instead churned back into the dirt. It sounds wasteful. Yes, I agree with you on that. But the reality is that many of these farmers just don't have other options. You can't just redesign large-scale supply chains on a whim to put more food in grocery stores and less in restaurants, for example. No, and it's all true. Like, if you know, people think that it's not real, that's not really what's happening. It's very, very real. And I can see and understand why they're doing it. And that's really sad. Um, but, however, for, like, smaller producers like us that especially do different things, so we're a diversified farm, right? So we have you know, the goat's milk, we have pork, we have produce, we have eggs. And so it's kind of a, um, a harder ship to sink in that regard. Um, but, uh, if we do have like, for example, like extra milk, um, we have ways to use it. So we freeze it and we use it for our handmade goat's milk soap. And this year we also started making cajeta, which is goat's milk caramel sauce. And, uh, so yeah, so we're able to, utilize our our milk in different in different ways so we don't ever have to do anything like that wasting a product is something i really really don't like to do um and the same thing with the pork too we do whole hog butchering so whenever you know if we run out of bacon first we're not going to take another pig in to get it you know butchered just because we need bacon you know we try to sell like that whole hog as much as we can before we take in another pig. Um, so thankfully, thankfully for us, the size that we are and then the way that we farm, we're not having to do anything like that. However, with the issues of, of you know, the meat processing places, um, I could see where, you know, other farmers like us could could get a little scared and get a little nervous that they're going to have to do something like that. Um, but with a lot of creative problem solving, there's definitely avenues and ways around that too. 
Like Autumn said, sometimes they have to reinvent their business model literally overnight. Usually farmers markets are a big deal for them this time of year. It's a great way to sell direct to consumers. That's along with their CSA or Community Supported Agriculture Programs. That's where you essentially invest in the harvest for the season and then you pick up fresh produce boxes throughout that season. It's kind of like the original food subscription box. All of that, though, is mostly supplementary to the work they do with local restaurants. Visia, Savage, Grace Meat and Three, Farmhouse, Urban Chestnut, Polite Society, Cinderhouse, Such and Such Farms has been a fixture on theirs and so many more menus. And then once everything kind of hit and then we realized that like there might be a chance that we'll lose a lot of our restaurants, not saying that they're not going to reopen, maybe some of them will, maybe some of them won't, but the capacity is going to be very, very different. We had to switch gears to doing everything direct to consumer for the foreseeable future. Um, we mainly do, you know, our restaurant sales and then our CSA and farmers market is kind of additional um, for us, but now that completely flip-flopped for us. Um, So now educating consumers is now a higher priority than it has been in years past. One thing that we do have going on, we just launched it, it's called um, our This and That from Such and Such. It's like a mini um, CSA veggie box, and there's no subscription required. So if um, you wanted to sign up for a CSA, maybe couldn't Um, find a farm, or if you don't really want to do the commitment of an entire CSA, we are offering um, this and that veggie box, which is six to eight pounds of produce, and it varies from week to week, and it's $25, and there's no commitment, so you can just order online and pick up at either the Soul Food Farmers Market in Maplewood or at our pickup at World's Fair Donuts um, on Sundays, and so you just order online if whatever's in the box looks good to you. You know, usually what we do is sit down with the seed catalogs and our chefs and they, you know, pick out like a 5 million things and then we whittle it down to maybe 200 to plant for them. So the things that we have planted are things that, you know, some of the best chefs in town have requested and we're going to use on their menu. So it's really exciting to offer that to the everyday consumer. Um, something that they might have like seen on their plate at Vicia can now be you know, utilize at home, which is something really, really cool. Um, and it's just a way for, um, you know, everyday home cooks to find new products, new varieties, um, weird varieties of certain things too, um, because of uh, a lot of the input that we've gotten from chefs this year in the years past. A lot of times I've eaten things at local restaurants that grew out of the ground and I had no idea a plant could look like that or a vegetable could look like that or something could taste like that. What's something you would recommend for those of us stuck at home right now and doing a little bit more cooking than we're used to, adding to our veggies and produce lineup and how do you like it cooked? Well, I'll tell you one of our more unique items we have coming up right now is called uh, bald head mustard. And it is a mustard green, but it's also a root vegetable. So you kind of get, you know, your greens on top, and then you also get your root vegetables. So it's like a two-in-one, which is really, really cool. Mm. And I like to, like, slice that up with my other root crops, like uh, your turnips, radishes, beets, and then do, um, do, like, a roast in the oven with everything. And then use the greens, you know, mix your mustard greens with kale. And then saute those with a lot of garlic, all the garlic, all the onion, 
yes. and then mix all that together. So you're using like the tops and the bottoms from um, those plants too. And it's less waste. So you don't have to waste any part of the vegetable. And that's my new favorite. And we have that coming up right now. And it sounds like so much flavor, all of the flavors. All the flavors. Do you feel like more people are learning and thinking about where their food is coming from? And do you think that maybe this is something that can stick around for a while? I think so. I mean, if our CSA signups are in the indicator, um, I definitely think people are, you know, more conscious about where, you know, things are coming from. Like CSAs this year are just kind of like a godsend for, I mean, farmers and then also consumers too. I know most of the CSAs around town are are sold out um, because people, especially, you know, late March and through April, um, were just, you know, signing up like crazy, which is really, really cool. We right. actually extended our shares oh, to accommodate awesome. more people. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, if CSAs are any indicator, I think people are definitely more aware um, where their food comes from. And also, it's just one less opportunity to go to the grocery store because nobody, you know, really wants to do that nobody right now. Nobody wants to no, do that right now. <laughs> we, we certainly don't. And um, so I think that's, you know, I think that's great. But I also am afraid that that we'll forget, like, once this is, quote, over, even if it is going to be, you know, 18 months until we get a vaccine, you know, our attention spans are pretty short. Um, so I do worry that, you know, some people will, will just forget. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's a real possibility as well. I mean, farmers are just, you got to roll with the punches no matter what it is. Like Mother Nature gives you, you know, you know, hailstorms in June and really bad, like polar vortexes in the middle of winter. So it's always <laughs> going to be something with farmers. And, you know, if you can't roll with the punches and adapt and overcome, then you probably shouldn't be a farmer. So like farmers were built for this, you know, it's mm. just that now it's a global pandemic instead of like a weather related issue or like a mother nature related issue or, you know, you know, an animal related issue, something like that. Um, so, I mean, we're here for the long haul um, and we're, we're kind of built for this. It's just, it's just something else. I, I hear what you're saying though, that it's, it's one of those things that hopefully the lessons we're learning from all this aren't sh- short-lived, something that sticks around. And finally, some of the other things that have come out of this um, on the good side, people are spending more time with their family. People are reconnecting with outdoors. People are learning new hobbies or calling their grandmas more. What are some things you're thankful for during all of this or things that you see as a silver lining, even on a cloudy, rainy day like what we're seeing outside right now? Well, I'm really thankful for my partner, my business partner, and then my husband partner, Dave. Um, You know, we just make such a great team, and that's just been so evident in the way that we've both been able to handle, you know, just the overall pandemic. And then then handle it on a business level, and then also him handling, helping to handle me while I'm pregnant. You know, I'm just really thankful for, like, our teamwork and the other guys we have out here at the farm, like we've all just really come together as a family to be there for each other, support each other and, you know, um, and really hold each other up. 
um, because I mean, we are kind of quarantined all here, you know, together. Um, so we have to make it through together if we're going to make it through at all. So I've been really, really thankful for that. Nothing like raising or keeping a farm going during a global pandemic to prep you for raising a baby, I guess, right? <laughs> yep. Yeah, we are ready. Like, you know, and um, that'll seem like mm-hmm. easy, easy business after all this. <laughs> well, she's going to have a lot of great stories. Like, I'm going to be able to tell her like so many awesome stories. You know, when she gets older, I'm like, oh, yeah, you were born during a pandemic. Let me tell you all about toilet paper. Let me tell you all about it. <laughs> Farmers really do tell the best stories, don't they? Abby Eats St. Louis is a Five on Your Side podcast production. I'm Abby Larico. Dory Olmos is executive producer. We would love to hear from you in a review, in an email at podcast.ksdk.com or on our Instagram at Abby Eats St. Louis. We're always looking to go tell good food stories, especially now, so help other people find us too. And again, don't forget to call in and share your stories with us. Play the episode again from the top for a reminder how, or just check the episode notes. Whenever you can, support your local growers and farmers and seize the plate.